Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner where we speak with other coaches and those who inspire, move, and motivate people to action. Listeners will learn about coaching, the many coaching niches, and have an opportunity to ask questions of the many wonderful coaches who are my guests. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com. If you're listening live and you want to call in with a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. You can listen to the show while you're on the phone, and if you press the number 1, that will let me know you want to ask a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. Tonight's guest is business and life strategist Cornelia Shipley. Cornelia is a national speaker, a sought-after executive coach, and strategic consultant for companies like General Motors, Edward Jones, and many others. Cornelia is an accomplished business professional who has transformed her own life to gain more balance, flexibility, and financial abundance. She'll soon be launching her Desire by Design program, and tonight... We'll be talking about strategic planning, mentor coaching, ICF credentialing, and much more. So, Cornelia, are you with us? I am. Hi, Andrew. Hi. <laughs> well, How are you? I'm great. I love your enthusiasm. Oh, well, I'm excited to be here. Wow. Well, you got me excited. I, I was very excited. Now I'm extremely excited. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you should be about life, right? Excited I know, but you know, it's how it's contagious. So you just brought it you just brought me up another level. Well, good. I'm glad. All right. So so tell everybody where you're from because you know you have a a, a little bit of an accent there. Uh, well, that's interesting. I um I actually am from Detroit, Michigan. Mhm. But I lived for a small period of time for 6 months in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. So I'm not sure what accent you're hearing, and knowing you're from New York, it's actually pretty funny because I'm the one who, in my family, was the only one without a New York accent. So ah. it's funny to have a New Yorker tell me I've got an accent. Are you trying to tell me i got some kind of New York accent? Dang. <laughs> oh. oh, and it's so, all good. Exactly. So, so you, you do a lot of interesting, uh, exciting things, Cornelia. Well, I try to stay busy. I, you know, I, I really believe that people should live their desire by design, whether they work in an organization or um, have their own business or are a stay-at-home mom, whatever, or, or dad in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that your desires are, most of us, you know, are raised to give up on those. And I work with my clients, both my business clients, you know, organizations as well as individuals to make sure that they can get back in touch with what they really wanted, what they really went into business for, or what they really wanted to do with their life so that they can make that happen and leave the legacy that's most important to them. Hmm. So desire by design, is that sort of your uh, your um, branding or your, your key phrase? Yeah, that it, it started actually, interestingly enough, as um, spend your day your way strategic planning for your life and work. And, and people ask me all the time, well, where did that come from? And people said it sounded selfish. And 
<laughs> it was pretty funny because for me, I wanted people to spend their day their way because I did. You know, I figured out when and where I wanted to coach clients. I would work with organizations to sort out when I would be able to come in or figure out how to make their conferences work for my schedule. And there are too many of us, I know myself included, when I was working for somebody else, who I didn't feel like my life and my time was my own. And I wasn't able to really strategically plan for the things that I wanted in my life. And so that's where Spend Your Day, Your Way came from. And then I worked with a marketing coach, um, actually just recently at the International Coach Federation Conference in Orlando. And as we were talking, she actually kind of named me the by design coach because um, we were talking about the kinds of things that clients asked me to help them with. And we were talking about creating relationships by design and practices by design and strategically planning for your life by design. And this kind of by design thing theme kept coming up. And so we, at the end of it, I was kind of like, yeah, I am becoming the by design coach. And people are able, as a result of working with me, to really live their desire by design. So that's wow. how it that all happened. That's so cool. So there are a lot of people out in this industry who have these sort of names that they've taken on. You know, there's the goals guy and and you're the by design woman. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, a life designer. (laughs) That's right, right. A life strategist, a life designer. That's exactly right. That's That's great. That's exactly right. Yeah, and it's a ton of fun. And you also, you have a book coming out that's actually called Spend Your Day Your Way, right? That's right. Strategic planning for your life and work. At least that's the that's the working title. We'll see what happens when we actually go to finally publish. But I've been um, been working on it. Actually, was working on some of it today uh, before the call. So it's coming along pretty well, and it's it's really about um, helping people who don't have the opportunity necessarily to work with me one on one to start thinking about how they will strategically plan for their life and work. And what, what, what would you say is your estimated completion of this book? You know, I got some really great coaching from um, a colleague of mine who, who self-published. Mm-hmm. And so for all those people out there who are thinking about writing a book and publishing a book, here's the tip she gave me for free, um, which is you always want to have your book be released at the beginning of the year. So more than likely there will be some um, – free downloads or, you know, kind of a preview option for the book, but it probably won't be released until January of 2011. Okay. And so you know that in January 2011, you're coming back on Coach's Corner, don't you? Well, that's fabulous. I would love to come back in January 2011 and talk about the book. That'll be a ton of fun. All right. Okay. Absolutely. I love having authors on my show. Oh, great. One of my yeah. favorite things, especially when they send me a free book. Oh, of course. An autograph. No Dear Coach Andrew, you've been a tremendous influence on me. Yes, yes. The inspiration for it all. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? You know, I'm just going to create this as I'm, as I'm moving along. But no, really, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to that coming out. That's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. I have um, got a couple of um, clients in my life who keep saying, When's the book coming? I want the book. I want the book now. So I've got a lot of um, gaining momentum for people kind of clamoring for the work in the world, which is always exciting. Awesome. And uh, I'm actually 
at the beginning stages of something, which I'm, I will talk about at a later date. Okay. Well, I'll be anxious to hear. All right, and you will. So uh, tell me about strategic planning. That's just actually one of my favorite topics. In fact, many of my shows, you know, you have to put in um, keywords for people to search. Mm-hmm. And one of the default keywords is strategic planning. So that makes you a, a an ideal guest because you already match a keyword. <laughs> well, I do what I can. Vic, thank you. I do what I can. So strategic planning for me is, is really about thinking through where you want to be, what success looks like when you get there, and the steps you need to take to get to that desired end point. That's really what strategic planning is about. And it's undergirded, in, in my opinion, by an individual or organization's mission, vision, values, and, and guiding principles or operating principles or boundaries, whatever, you know, whatever word works for you. Um, and so I really try and help folks get clear about all of those things, you know, starting in a pretty traditional strategic planning way. So saying, okay, well, where are you now? Like, what's up today? <laughs> where mm-hmm. are you today? And getting clear not only about where you want to go, but defining that in really clear terms. Because if you think about when you were back in college or, you know, um, in high school and people said, well, what do you want to be? Well, I want to go into business. Well, that's not super clear. Or I want to be a doctor. Really? Well, there's a ton of different specialties in the field of medicine, so could you be a little bit more specific? Um, And so I try to help my clients get really, really clear about what it's going to look like. And it's amazing to me how in today's day and age, people don't take the time to really think about that, to really think about what do they want their life to look like and how much time do they really want to be spending doing the work of work and doing the work of living. And so when I ask clients those kinds of questions, they usually have to take pause because they haven't thought about, well, how much time do I want to spend working and what kind of mom do I want to be and how am I going to know that I've been successful as a mom and how am I going to know that I've been successful in my relationships with my family and my friends. There's no definition of success. And to the degree that there is one, it's usually defined externally instead of by my client. And so one of the things I work with them to do is to, to live their desire by design, do it on their terms, and understand what success really looks like for them so that they step into their desire powerfully. Mm. You, do you talk about vision? I do, absolutely. Vision, your vision, your mission, and your values, yeah. I have a great quote. Um, I've been listening to some vintage Zig Ziglar. Ah, you, know, yes. you know Zig, right? Yes, absolutely. He's actually the very first person I ever heard speak in the in the world of personal growth and development back in 1979. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, who knew <laughs> back then that exactly. I'd be coming in this direction myself. But I was just listening to this tape last week, and I wrote this down because, you know, sometimes you hear the word vision. I, I don't know what people think or what the traditional uh, uh, definition, but this is Zig Ziglar's definition of a vision. A vision is a clearly articulated, results-driven picture of a future you intend to create. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Isn't that neat? Perfect definition. That's a perfect definition. It's a perfect definition. I mean, I, I sum it up in real layman's terms mm-hmm. as the place you're trying to go. If you think about it, if you think about it as a journey, it's your ultimate destination. But I, I don't like using that analogy only because people actually think their life's journey is about the destination when in reality we know it's really about the journey and not mm-hmm. about the destination. And often the destination is not where you even thought you might be going because things change, your circumstances, desires, uh, new things that are created along the way change. All kinds of things are possible. That's exactly right. One of the things that's uh, part of my process is we talk about what to do when life happens. You know, there's a there's a wonderful phrase I heard some years ago that um, – if you want to make God laugh, make plans. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we sit and we act like both in business and in our individual lives when we make plans that that's what's going to happen. And we should act like that. But many times, oftentimes, we don't think about, well, what do we do when life happens, when the unexpected occurs and we've got, we haven't planned for that? And part of my process includes planning for the unexpected, financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, so that when it shows up, you're prepared. Mm. When you say planning, do you mean like planning how you're going to deal with or react to? Planning how you're going to deal with and react to and making sure you have some reserves to be able to handle it. So, for example, in my life, the way that it looked was I was sitting in my office in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with a beautiful view of the mountains at the General Mills plant, and um, the phone rang, and it was my mother. And my mother said to me, your dad has had a stroke, and he's in Hampton, Virginia, Mm. and I'm flying there today. And I was like, okay, like, is he on life support? Is he, (laughs) like, what's going on? So, um, you know, we didn't know when he was going to be able to travel to come back home. So life happened. You know, my dad had a stroke. Right. And um, fortunately, I had some reserves. Not only did I have financial reserves, but I had emotional reserves. I had people who I had good enough relationships, including my boss, to pull on and say, I'm going to need some space and some time to deal with this, and so let's talk about how do we get the needs of the facility met while I deal with this personal issue? Um, you know, having having the space to be able to say, when my mother had breast cancer surgery and I couldn't be there, having the reserve of a girlfriend who worked in the hospital to go and hold my mother's hand and call, be on the phone with me to tell me the status. So it's not only about do you have you know, the financial resources, which we all know are super important, especially in this economic time. But do you have the rest of the resources and utility that you need to be able to get through your crisis situation? Have you built up that, in Stephen Covey language, proverbial bank account, you know, the emotional bank account he talks about, but in every area, so that you're prepared? Mm. That's powerful. Well, thank you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is strategic planning the the biggest part of what you do? Um, it's it's pr- 
probably about 50% of what I do. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of what I do in my individual work with clients, whether they are in um, kind of my programs. You know, one of my programs, the Desire by Design program, which is going to be launching in the next couple of months, is all about um, taking the strategic planning principles and applying them and, and kind of my process to your life and work. Um, but then corporately, I, I facilitate, you know, on average in a year between 10 and 15 strategic planning sessions between boards of directors um, and CEO-level folks down to a department head might call me in and ask me to think about helping them think through a strategic plan for their department. So that's about half of my time. And then the other half of my time, I'm usually on stage uh, doing the speaking work that I do, which is really focused on professional development. So it's all around enabling people to have the tools necessary to be able to navigate their world and be able to execute that, that action plan with the right set of tools and skills and abilities. What brought you to speaking? So that's an interesting story. I um, I started speaking um, when I started my career at Procter & Gamble. I started doing training. I was a, a trainer for a while um, and really liked it. I liked um, being in the front of the room and, you know, doing what I, I now fondly refer to as the Cornelia Shipley show. <laughs> and huh. and um, so I really found an affinity for it. And, um, and then when I went out on my own back in 2006, um, I actually was at a meeting and I was sharing and, and, you know, in the coaching community we talk about sharing powerfully. I didn't feel like I was really powerful when I shared this opportunity to participate in a class that I was having. And at the end, somebody came up to me and said, well, do you do this same thing in organizations? And I said, absolutely. And um, he had me come out to Hewlett Packard um, back in 2000 and I guess it was it was either 2007 or 2008 now, and um, it was my first real platform experience. And my um, my cohort in crime, my co-facilitator, who was the keynote the first day, was a very well-known author, um, Dennis Kimbrough, the author of um, Thinking Grow Rich: A Black Choice. Yes, I actually I have seen that. I have seen that book. Yeah, and the other book he re- he wrote was What Makes the Great Great, and so. He was the keynote speaker the first day, and I was the keynote speaker the second day, and it was a phenomenal experience. It was a great way to really start my speaking career. So, so that's how it started. That's that's great. I, I, Cornelia, I want to be like you when I grow up. Oh well, isn't that sweet? Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that's like really getting me excited hearing about that. I'm actually speaking on. Saturday locally. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, so I'm very. What are you going to be talking about? Well, I'm still working on the exact topic, but I'm going to be speaking to some people at a fibromyalgia um, event. Oh, I was asked to uh, to give some to uh, to give a talk about overcoming overcoming challenges. Yep, yep, yeah. Fibro fibromyalgia is not a fun disease, so that's great. That's and it's amazing the people who have that kind of autoimmune deficiency, whether it's fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, or 
usually some of the most energetic people you'll ever meet. <laughs> it's always amazing to me. Um, I happen to, to um, have have been affected personally by um, chronic fatigue syndrome in my life, and, and people always talk about the level of energy I have, but I think about people, other people I know who've been afflicted, and there are always people who are just so amazing and so willing to, to face their pain head on. I know. I, I'm seeing that myself in this particular group, so I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. Yeah, it should be fun. It should yeah. be really fun. So there's something I, I noticed on the brochure you sent me, uh, and I wanted to ask you about the CK experience. Oh, absolutely. So the CK experience is um, fabulous. It is a three-day event um, for targeted to women, but um, we have been asked before to deliver it um, for men and women, and it's all about um, transforming your life and getting present to living in the moment. And so there's a labyrinth experience, and um, we include the movie um, Peaceful Warrior starring Nick Nolte, and we do a lot of, of activities and, and interaction and a lot of, of group coaching and some one-on-one coaching in the experience so that people walk away. Um, actually, they leave on that third day with their own vision board. They come with a picture of themselves, and we bring tons of magazines, and uh, they walk away with a vision for you know how they're going to be present in their life and go out and really live what they've said they want for themselves. And so it's an experience I co-created with a fellow coach named Kathy Igo, um, who actually lives up in, you know, up in Michigan. I'm a, a bi-state resident these days. I, I travel back and forth between Michigan and Atlanta, Georgia. And so um, she and I co-created that event and um, have done it uh, just once at uh, one of the hotels in Michigan. And then we've been asked to do some pieces of it um, for some other organizations, and, and those have been mixed organizations. And we've done some public events with pieces of the work as well. Mm. So it's the, Kathy is the K in the CK? Is that what, what that, that is? That is right. The K in the CK. That's, I am so good. Right. You are. <laughs> quick study, a quick study. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that's really cool. How long have you been doing that particular workshop? Um, we did it in full form back in oh. Eight, and then we've delivered pieces of it since then. So we've done, delivered parts of it. Um, we've delivered the labyrinth and dream board experience both publicly and privately. Um, we've delivered a couple of other pieces of it as well. So um, that's how long we've been doing it since '08. Nice. And she's a ton of fun to work with. And you're a ton of fun, I can tell. So I'm. Well, I try to be. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I can imagine yeah. it to be a very fun uh, workshop to do. So maybe it I'll is. have that opportunity myself one day. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So you now you I know you also are involved in mentor coaching. I am. I um I received my PCC, my Professional Certified Coach distinction, um and got asked just kind of randomly. Would I um, start to mentor coach some people? So I, again, kind of like my my launching of my public speaking career, um, kind of got asked randomly 
um, if I would mentor coach a person who was getting ready to examine for the ICF. And so uh, I've got a couple of clients now, and I'm a mentor coach for a coach training program um, based in Chicago. So I, I work with about a third of the students that go through that program on an annual basis, mentor coaching them around the model, the competency model that um, well, the competency model that the ICF has and then the, the coaching model that the school uses. So what, uh, tell me a little bit more about mentor coaching, though, because you started by, by bringing up the PCC certification, but is there um, mentor coaching within the ICF as a specific like, modality? Um, not as a specific modality that I'm aware of. As part of the credentialing process to the International Coach Federation, they're now requiring for all three of the um, for all three of the credentials, the associate certified coach credential, the professional certified coach credential, and the master certified coach credential to be mentored by um, either a professional certified coach or a master certified coach. Um, and you have to do a minimum of 10 hours mm-hmm. to, as part of your package when you, when you submit for your credential. So there's not like a special, at least today, there's not a special designation for um, a certified mentor coach in the ICF. Right. Several coach training programs do offer... Um, that credential, that certification, though. But when I, when you speak though of mentor coach, are you speaking of it st- uh, strictly as within mentoring other coaches, or is there another way that you are a mentor coach? Absolutely, actually, that's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked me that because I do do some mentor coaching for predominantly women in business. So folks say, well, Cornelia, I'm really interested in you working with me uh, because I want to. To to your wonderful quote earlier. Be like you when I grow up. And so there's, <laughs> there's an opportunity for me in, in true mentor fashion um, because we know that there's the distinction between mentoring and um, coaching is, you know, mentors are all about kind of walking in somebody else's shoes. They mm-hmm. kind of tell you how they did it and help you think through your own path based on their experience. And so I do a lot of that work with um, with business owners, predominantly women business owners, because of the fact that I, you know, launched a business three years ago and, you know, I'm part of the sandwich generation of people who have to take care of a significant other and, you know, ailing parents and, you know, no kids yet, but, you know, God only knows about that part of the whole, you know, sandwich generation. So (laughs) I do do that work as well. Nice. I think that's, that's really, really cool to hear about. So I want to hear, actually, speaking of the ICF and certification and all that, there's a lot going on in that world. I've talked about that on this show in in, uh, past shows. Yeah. In fact, I talked about it with uh, your friend. Yes, my friend Debbie Regal. She's great. Absolutely. Wonderful person. And... um, you know, that's that's something that's really been coming up a lot for people. The whole issue of certification: should I be certified? Do I go for certification? What what does it take? And now there's a lot of uh, conversation within the the community that is the ICF about right. what is certification going to look like in in the future. Right. So I know you've been to the uh, the, the most recent um, uh, ICF convention, correct? 
Yes, I went to the conference back conference, in sorry. Yep, back in, in December. And um, at, the, at the conference, there was a special meeting held to talk about um, the proposed credentialing changes. And for people who um, aren't aware, the International Coach Federation is, of which I am a member, but I, I, need to, I guess I should disclaim I am not a spokesperson or representative for the International Coach Federation, so everything I'm about to share is kind of my per personal and um, personal perspective and sure. based on my experience um, and based on what I, I interpreted in terms of what I've heard from the organization. Um, but at that meeting in December, there was some discussion, and at that time, the ICF was proposing moving from three credentials to one. So right now, as I said before, there's ACC, PCC, and MCC, and there was some discussion to moving just to one, you know, kind of credentialed, being a credentialed coach or a certified coach, and they would come up with some name for that, but that was the, the plan. And, and now, why, by the way, what was the reasoning for that proposed switch? From, from my perspective, mm -hmm. it wasn't very clearly communicated from the International Coach Federation. My opinion when I saw the um, industry study that was done a couple of years ago on the coaching industry and it came out that it was a billion-dollar industry, mm -hmm. my guess is the reason for going to a single credential is because at some point regulation is coming. You know, very similar to the psychology field. You know, people were calling themselves psychologists and there was no kind of authority over that and so then the federal government stepped in and said well you have to have a license and and be show yourself approved to to call yourself a psychologist and it's just my belief that that same dynamic at some point will exist for the coaching community but even in within the the realm of uh, you know therapy and psychology and psychiatry there are different you know different labels and names and different things. So I, in that world, there's certainly there's not one fits all. That's right. I mean, my mother is a, is a psychologist and a certified social worker, and she's got her um, limited liability license for psychology. You know, at my understanding, at least in the state where my, you know, where my parents live, there's only two. You can either be a limited license or a fully licensed psychologist. Those are the choices. Um, and then you can be a, a licensed social worker, and my mother happens to be both. Um, so I don't know, just using this psychology example, it, I, it was easy for me to understand from that particular vantage point why we may be moving to one credential. Um, now, there are people who, um, I think the reason that there's been so much, a piece of the reason there's been so much discussion is because there have been, um, you know, if you look at the requirements for the credential, the entry-level credential only only requires 120 or 125 hours versus the highest-level credential requiring over 2,000 hours of coaching time. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really big gap in experience. Sure. And so the, you know, the new proposed credential required less time coaching people than both the PCC and the MCC. Um, credentials that exist today, and so there was a lot of concern by the community that that held those two credentials, and I think the ICF community is more broadly about making that shift, especially when the organization is just starting to get recognition and those credentials are really starting to mean something in the marketplace. 
But I'm happy to say that um, the last communication I saw was that the um, the conversation has at least been tabled for now, and so the existing system is going to be in place. I think it's through 2012, um, and so they'll be thinking through, okay, so what is this process going to be, and what is the right number of hours, and what is the right amount of time working with a mentor coach, and all those other kinds of requirements. You know, it's such a it's such a um reminds me a little bit in some respect of the the wild west you know there's there's so many different things that people call themselves and you know the fact is there is not really one body the icf is certainly appears to be the preeminent yep. body and it's not the only one and there's at least one other one that would like to think it's the best one mm-hmm. and there, there's probably more than that that i I don't know of, but yeah, I'm I'm aware of two others. I think there's the World Coaches Association, um, and then there's I think there's an organization called the IAC. The IAC is the one I'm aware of. Okay, and then there's um, ICCO, which is actually um, for organizations that solely do coaching, and so you can be a member organization of that group. So there's at least four. And I'm sure there are more. And then there's the ICKY. <laughs> nobody wants to talk about them for some strange reason. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. You and and did a great job. By Thank the way. you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I have uh, you know I have my coaching school gives out their own certification. Yep. And my coaching school is a, a accredited school. Okay, through the International Coach Federation. Uh, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was one of the reasons. And I talked about this. I was actually today. Please shoot me, by the way, if I say actually one more time. Okay. I was on a <laughs> show. Thank you. I was on somebody else's show earlier this evening. Mm-hmm. So talking about this very subject, and. Um, of my my school, one of the biggest reasons I chose a school I went to for coaching, which is the International Coach Academy, based out of Australia, mate, and it's because it had just become certified, I'm sorry, accredited by the ICF at the time that I was looking into becoming a coach. Oh, wow. Well, did you get a chance to study in Australia, or did you do it all virtually? Oh, no, I did it all. All the classes were done by uh, by teleclass. Okay, yep. And, you know, a lot of people think, like, how, how, how does that work? Is that effective? And I found it to be tremendously effective. And the interesting thing was that in, in class, and you, it, I, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but I know I have a very good ear, and I recognize everyone's voice. It was, like, it was just like going to school. I guess it was kind of like being a blind person going to school because I would recognize everybody's voice speaking in uh, and, and raise, raising their virtual hands. And, and it, even though I couldn't see anybody, I know I always knew who was there, and because you know, yep. we'd all announce ourselves, but I would recognize people's voices, and I'd say, oh, "Oh, I'm so glad this person's here," and I did. In fact, I haven't over the years met a number of people who, you know, you could say were my classmates, right? And I've right. actually met in real life, or I've done joint ventures with, or strategic planning, you might say, with. Yep, yep. Well, I went to coach you. Um, and, uh, you know, I picked Coach U for similar reasons. It w- it's an accredited coach training program. 
um, which makes the credentialing process in the ICF pretty pretty easy. Once you get through the, the certification process in your school, it, it becomes a lot easier to get credentialed. And so that was part of my reason. And then I actually did the dual approach. So the first half of my training was done in person in San Diego. And then the second half of my training, I did all over the phone. So I had both experiences. And How long was the uh, in-person part? The in-person part was a week. And that's the um, Core Essentials Fast Track Program through mm -hmm. CoachU. Um, and so it's a week in San Diego, and there's a couple of phone calls that you do as part of that as well. And actually, now they, they actually do that program worldwide, but I just happened to take it in San Diego. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with a week in San Diego. No, it was beautiful. <laughs> I had a great time. I had it's a great time. definitely a good place to spend a week, absolutely. It, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It was good weather and, and all of that. And, and I did it um, the last week of January in 2007, so it was a great time to leave Michigan and be in California. <laughs> I couldn't have planned it any better if I'd planned it myself. <laughs> now, were you were you you, know, you 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 were involved in Coach U after Thomas Leonard was had passed, right? That's correct. That's uh, correct. Had you ever uh, learned of him and and be, before you got there? Um, I knew of him. I actually got introduced to coaching um, during my MBA program and. During my MBA program, I said I wanted to be a coach, but it, I wasn't really clear about how to make a career out of it. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to go into HR instead, um, in part, because that's where I knew coaching lied in, in the organizations I had worked in, you know, in my past. And so um, when I met the coach, the first coach that I ever met was a woman named Valerie Birch, a professional professional certified coach in the International Coach Federation, and um, she's been on Oprah. I think she's been on Oprah. She's a pretty well-known coach. Um, and so when I met her, she did a presentation about coaching and shared a bit about Thomas Leonard. And then when I was in the classes, we, of course, got to learn a ton about his methodology and philosophy and how he worked with clients. Yeah, you had mentioned the HR. Now, I, I was handed a book recently. Somebody said, I have a book I want you to have. And I picked up this book called Bringing Out the Best in Everyone You Coach that uses the Enneagram system for exceptional results. Is that, are you familiar with the Enneagram system? I have actually Kathy, my, my friend who's the K in the CK experience, um, is a big fan of Enneagram. Um, and for those of you who are listening, Enneagram is basically um, a nine-type personality typing tool, um, and it gives you a lot of inclinations about who you are at your kind of every day, um, at least this is my understanding of it, I so wish Kathy was here, <laughs> um, or if somebody's listening and knows a lot about Enneagram, please call in and, and clear me up if I'm wrong, um, but then it talks about where you go kind of under stress and where you go when you're at your best. And so people get a sense for all of that um, through the Enneagram process. And then it gives a lot of insight in based on how you behave every day um, in terms of who, you, who and how you can shift your being to shift the results you get in the world. At least that's kind of my understanding based on conversations I've had with her. 
what I'm learning about it so far, I mean, I'm just really in the, I'm still in the first couple of paragraphs of this book, um, but it's, you know, basically using these, the nine number types to pinpoint each person's style and tap into his or her strengths and design a customized program for each, you know, each type. And to me, like one of the things that came up for me as I, when I was reading, as I started to read this book, and by the way, the Enneagram is apparently quite uh, old uh, stuff. I mean, this is not anything new. It's just bringing it right. into this world. Um, that this has, in some ways, it feels like the missing link for me and how I may deal with certain people. Yep. And I, I yep. see that this is mostly used, more used in a corporate environment, but I, I, I'm very excited about it. Oh, yeah. I, I, can, I can one, hear that, but when you were talking, I thought about how, you know, Kathy uses it in her everyday experience. I mean, she will, when she's talking and to us as colleagues, she'll say, well, this person is a six or this person is a three, and that means this. And, you know, it, it very much informs for her um, how to interact with people in her world. Um, and it's been a great tool for her. And she actually does very little corporate coaching. She actually um, works probably 95% of her time with the individuals mm-hmm. um, who hire her directly, and she uses the Enneagram heavily in her practice. So it's it's not just for folks in organizations. Well, it's great to hear that because I'm, like, thinking that this is something I'm going to be making a big use of. You know, I was involved for many years in the, in the network marketing business, you know, um, the industry, and one of the things I learned, and by the way, a lot of my training that, be, that eventually led me to become a coach came from the training I got in network marketing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had a mentor there who is still uh, somebody I consider a mentor in a lot of ways. And one of the things they talk about there is these either colors or animals. You may have heard of this before. Like when somebody is a, a whale or a dolphin or a yep. shark. Yep. Or, um, they have colors that are about the same thing, you know, red and a shark are the same thing. And it's an also a way of, like, getting really quickly how people tick and then being able to tailor how you, you know, if you know what's going to motivate somebody, you know what to use. If you know what's not going to motivate somebody, for example, somebody who, uh, like, my my color or animal in that system was a dolphin or a or a blue, right? Okay, yep. And the dolphins or the blue are people who are, tend to be much more interested in what's going to, uh, you know, make me have a good have a good time than uh, than some other things. I'm I'm going to be interested about. Um, uh, well, the, the 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 bottom line is that, for example, if you talk to me about about money as a motivating factor, it's going to be less for me than it would be for somebody who's a shark or a a um, a red who is very motivated by right. that. So I'm. Right. You tell me we can have a great time doing this. Oh, I'm very interested. Right. You tell right. the shark we're going to have a great time doing this, and that person's like, yeah, but how we how do I get paid? Right, right. They, that's not what motivates them. That's yeah. exactly right. Yep, yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. There's there's lots of interesting tools like that. Even even something as easy as the disc, the DISC which is a very popular instrument in organizations um, that, you know, organizations use, whether you're a directing person it, 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 or, or in, you know, a collaborating person, whatever your style might be, um, it does really influence both how you're sold to, how you're motivated, and, and I guess, too, how, how you're going to respond to things. I mean, people, 
we don't think about the importance of tailoring our messages, and I'm, I'm sure this was true for your training as well as it is mine. So many of us as coaches, people ask me all the time, well, how, how come you can coach anybody? And it's because, you know, it's about matching the energy and the style of your client. And, yes, I might be a super energetic person, but I know how to tone that down for a client or, you know, to the degree that a client needs to be boosted up, as you kind of talked about at the beginning of the call. Mm-hmm. You know, you can bring that level of energy to the conversation. So a lot of times people aren't, are so caught up in themselves that they're not able to look and think about, well, what's the best way for me to interact with this person to get my designed outcome, not not necessarily um, the, an outcome that would be derailing to the other person, but the outcome that's going to be of best benefit certainly for me and then for the other person as well, kind of back to that whole win-win scenario. Sure. You know, I've done, you know, exercises like this with all kinds of people where you do what's called mirroring, where you're going to uh, try to mirror the person you're speaking to in terms of their body language, like how Mm -hmm. they put their foot over their leg and they they talk faster, they talk slow, and you're going to meet them. And it's a way of getting somebody to be in the same page with you. And I've I've done this as, you know, in, in exercises where they... You can be trained to really look look for and listen for the cues that tell you what how a person is operating. That's right. That's right. And most of the time, we know them intuitively, mm-hmm. but we don't always pay attention to that intuition. You know, there's lots of times where you get a gut feeling, ah, I probably shouldn't say that to them, or hmm, I don't think this approach is going to work. And you, you get in this situation and, and you determine in the moment this course of action probably isn't the right one. And that's, you know, that's your intuition telling you, hey, pay attention over here. You might want to do something different. I think that's very, very key. And, and it's very easy to just be talking at people or doing things at people rather than engaging and listening and being really conscious of, you know, the, the entire dynamic. You know, I'm just thinking about now. I, I being a New Yorker, as you, <laughs> I'm sure have noticed that we New Yorkers are fast talkers. Yes, I, I keep up with the best of the New Yorkers, though. And I'm like, I'm like kind of slow for a New Yorker compared to a lot of New Yorkers <laughs> who talk a mile a minute. I only go a half a mile a minute. Right. But if I'm dealing with somebody, say from the Deep South, and I'm just going to throw that out as a. Uh, you know, character. You know, a caricature in a bit. But you're speaking with somebody talks like this, and how you doing there, Andrew? So what? What's going on today? Well, if I speak back to that person in my New York cadence and really, really fast, and guess what? That person is going to be really put off by that and not exactly be right. able to to handle the message. They're going to miss the message because they're so uh, because my speed is going to grade on them. Right. You know, I if I'm the one giving the, the message. Pardon That's me? exactly right. You you want to honor the other person. Right. You know, in, in communication, you really want to honor the other person, and you want to be able to um, to be with them in a way that you're fully present and you're not focused necessarily on what you're going to say next or, you know, getting your point across as you can be with being with that other individual, um, being present for them and paying attention to who they're being 
so that you can respond to them appropriately instead of you know having being a Pavlov dog and having a stimulus and a, some sort of immediate reaction to that. Yeah, you know that that really rings a bell for me. Well, good. I'm glad to have rung a bell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope you didn't just miss my really bad joke. Oh, you know what? I didn't. I but I just thought I'd make one on top of it. Okay, it, good. It didn't quite work. <laughs> Sort of do a little Pavlovian uh, humor there. Right, exactly. The whole dog analogy. Yes, ringing the dog bell. <laughs> exactly. So let's see. We, we still have uh, a few minutes left. Uh, if anybody is out there and does want to speak to Cornelia, you can call us here at 646-929-2893. And if you're not listening live and you're listening on an archive right now, well, this show has already happened. We're in, we're in the past. That's right. We're Actually, we are... In two places at one time, Andrew, in the present and the past. That's pretty cool. Yes, and, 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 and I guess we could also say we're in the future. This is true. Cause For some people, what, it's not happens. It will happen weeks or months from now. By the way, one of the things about this, uh, very interesting, uh, as I'm getting to really get acclimated to this whole podcast thing, some people will listen right now. For the most part, most people don't listen right now. I'm going to get anywhere from a handful to the, the most I've ever had on one show is probably 40 people live listeners, but sometimes hundreds, many hundreds of people over time. Mm-hmm. I still have I have at least one show that's still I did it last year. It was at 400 something, then it went to 500. It just now wow. hit 600 shows, and that's going back wow. to September. Wow! So you never know. You never know. That's you right. Never so know. You never know what 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 becomes viral. It's kind of like the uh, the YouTube video of the com- couple dancing down the aisle. You know, they they mm-hmm. posted it so friendly friends and family could see it, and you know they wound up reenacting it on the the Today Show. You just never know. You know, I have a, a little bit of a treat. It's a little bit of a, a diversion here, Cornelia. But you know, I've been talking about this all day, all week actually. One of my one of my icons of growing up and listening to the radio, uh, Ron Lundy passed away this week. And oh my. you may not know who Ron Lundy is, but he was one of the the uh, key people on WABC radio here in New York for many many years during the glory days of the '60s and and. Uh, I have, this is a special treat, this is the Ron Lundy's radio sound when he was on the air. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Okay. Ron Lundy! <laughs> oh, wow. How great was that? <laughs> How great! How great, and just to think, he's now been immortalized. He's um, immortalized. In in another way, because I'm sure there's lots of you know recordings of his show. But what a great way to honor him! I, mean, I, I want to do this one more time if I can. Absolutely. Here we go. Run, Wendy. I actually have a tremendous desire. I, I've I've been put in the guy who sent me that put me in touch with the guy who makes those things. Oh wow, great! And there so, will be. So soon we'll hear Coach Andrew. Coach <laughs> Andrew. Coach's oh, Corner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How fun. How fun. <laughs> that is too funny. Well, you know what? It's it's interesting, you know, that this you know, this icon has passed away and you and you chose to do that on this show because one of the things I'm sure you do this with clients as well, but one of the things that I talk to my clients about all the time is how do they want to honor themselves and the people in their life? 
and how do they want to, um, you know, be remembered? You know, part of that strategic planning process really is about what is your legacy and what is the legacy that you leave with people on a daily basis and what is the legacy that you want to leave long after you're gone. And so many of us, especially now with the stresses of um, not only the, the space we find ourselves in as a nation, um, but as individuals with the pace of technology and just all of the change that we've, you know, endured in the last, you know, two decades, people haven't had the space or the time or the inclination to think about how they want to honor themselves and the people that are important to them. And so mm. I just think it's so great that this person who you may have never met, you wanted to, you know, kind of give him a little shout out, you know, just give him a little acknowledgement for you know, what he's meant to you and your desire to be, you know, in radio. And I know that you've, you've had that desire for a while. I've, I've listened to Deb's show with you, and so I got a chance to hear a little bit of that story. And so, you know, I think it's great that you can continue to honor that. Yeah, it is really, it is really cool. And, it, it, you know, I thought about, uh, <laughs> you can hear, here's a little uh, blurb for your, for, the, for, your, for this conversation for you, it's like if you don't take care of this now, you won't have a legacy to stand on. Oh, that's so great. That is so great. That is, that's great. That, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Because oh, thank people you. Don't, people don't think about, people really don't think about the legacy that they're leaving and, and the fact that they leave a legacy every day. You know, there's a, be- there's a beautiful wake behind you and every moment you have an opportunity to shift what it looks like. Yeah, I think that's really important. And people d- don't realize necessarily that in every day, in every way that they are doing this, even in the, in the little things they do, you know, it, it could be as simple as, you know, who did you hold the door for today? That's right. That's right. It's that whole pay it forward movie conversation, you know. If you, do you see the movie Pay It Forward? With, uh, you know, I have, yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, are, you, are you being the kind of person that when you pass away, you'll be proud to have been talked about? You know, are you, gonna, are, you, are you leaving people with really great things to be able to say about you? you know, now, I heard and, this, um, uh, this, convert, this talk uh, some years ago uh, about, like, what's your, I think it's called What's Your Dash? Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know what, what? What What are you gonna do with your dash? That's right. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. There. Yep. That's exactly right. So you're 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 born on a date, and then there's a dash on your tombstone, and then mm-hmm. there's the day you died. And I think the poem is actually called "What Did You Do with Your Dash?" So if people Google "What Did You Do with Your Dash," you can you can find a pretty interesting commentary about you know people's life. Mm-hmm. and the choices that they make. And, you know, to, today especially, people are feeling like they don't have choice. And what did you do with your dash at its core is about the choices that you make. And every day, in every moment, you can make a different choice. You can make a different choice. And, you know, when you look at history, there's only a fraction of a percent of the people who have lived in this world, in this planet, since history was recorded, who are remembered. That's right. There's really a very small uh, number of people, so you really have to make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't think there's any way of planning to be one of those people. That's right. That's <laughs> there's right. really no way. Yep. You know, unless you uh, choose the path of infamy. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is right. not the way I want to go down. Right, right. I think, you know, people, when you look at the people who I think of in history who are remembered, they're remembered for what they contributed to others. And, you know, especially today with, you know, the stock market having crashed and, you know, especially in Michigan, you know, the auto industry having gone through all the drama it, it went through in the last couple of years. You know, people don't people aren't focused on that. They're not focused on how can they be of service. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time I do this work because I have an opportunity to help people contribute their highest good while experiencing their greatest joy. And there's no better gift than letting people walk in the world in a way where they get to experience both those things on a daily basis. Beautifully said. So, Cornelia, we have just a couple of minutes left, and here's a good opportunity for you to let us know what you're up to, where we can find you, what's going on. Absolutely. So um, my website is CorneliaShipley.com. That's C-O-R-N-E-L-I-A-S-H-I-P-L-E-Y.com. And I have a really special gift for your listeners, both those that are listening in the moment and those that might be listening later um, or somewhere in the future, right? Um, right. If you email, uh, send an email to noreply, that's N-O-R-E-P-L-Y, at corneliashipley.com, you're going to get two great gifts, the first of which is you'll be immediately emailed back um, a, a list of my 10 tips for VIPs, and VIPs are very influential people. I do a a talk from the stage around influence, the power of influence, and so you'll get some tips that I share in that talk. And then you'll also be added to my monthly e-zine, Desire by Design, um, and you'll get some monthly tips and tricks and strategies for how you can continue to live your Desire by Design. Um, check out the website. We're actually um, in, in some redesign, so it's actually getting ready to, to come down. Um, but it will be back up in a couple of weeks, so go check it out. There's a great video that's staying up about um, some of the work that I do. And um, so that's how you can get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so very, very much, Cornelia Shipley, for being on my show today. Oh, it and, was my pleasure. Oh, thank you. And everyone, thanks for listening. We're going to be back next week, same bat time and same bat station with my guest, a repeat guest, Frankie Picasso and her new partner, Kelly Wallace, the Love Wranglers. So have an outstanding next seven days, and we'll see you next week on Quotrich Corner. Good night. Good night.